0: Welcome to Micah Bradford Connected, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So, let's connect, where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Micah Bradford Connected. Happy New Year, and welcome to my first segment of the year with Micah Bradford Connected. The beginning of a new year is symbolic for me for so many reasons, as I'm sure it is for most of you. The beginning of a new year is when I put pen to paper and list my goals and my dreams, when I revisit the accomplishments I've achieved the year before and the ones that were still in process. A new year, a new beginning It reminds me why I'm here and why being connected to you is important to me. Being connected to people in my community, my friends, my family, my beliefs, my faith have been the driving force in me being able to accomplish the things I've accomplished, to have hope. And with my story, like many of yours, it often begins with some sort of change in your life's path whether it's a tragedy or a loss. And for me, it was a diagnosis. It was a diagnosis of autism for my second child, my second son. And whether you have a loved one or you yourself have been diagnosed with a condition that has a bleak outlook or is long-term critical terminal, the one thing I know that's true is having hope and holding on to hope is the very thing we all have to have in order to believe that there's something more, that there's something you can do about your circumstance, that there's a way you can impact it and make a difference. And for me, that all started when Jacob was diagnosed, and I'd never heard the word autism. You know, for Jake, I had a, a regular pregnancy. He was 9.9 on the APGAR. Matter of fact, it was remarkable because his delivery was actually a regular delivery in contrast to my first son that was an emergency C-section. And he developed normally. We had multiple bouts of of ear infections and different things and upper respiratory infections. and, And you could see this pattern of we'd go for our well baby checkups and after the well-baby checkups, the next week, we'd end up with an upper respiratory infection or ear infection. Then we'd be on antibiotics, and, and the cycle was truly sicilic. And somewhere after his first birthday, we started to notice that he started fading out on us. And some of the words that he had gained, he lost. He wasn't as responsive to his name whenever we'd call for him across the room. But oddly enough, when certain TV shows would come on, he would come running because he could hear the theme song. And through the course of the next six to seven months, while I might add that I was pregnant with our third child, my daughter, we just started seeing inconsistencies in development and behaviors and starting to lose some of the skills that he had previously acquired. And right before he turned two, after being prompted by family, friends, and of course the grandparents— and our pediatrician i reached out to the early childhood intervention program at that time it didn't matter where you lived it didn't matter your economic background they would come out and they would do an assessment and i remember after all the assessments were done and the psychologists that came to the house and you know, they weren't able to give a diagnosis at that time they had to refer you on where the neurologist would give the diagnosis And I knew by the way that she had explained to me the results, I knew by the way that they had talked. And then at that point, the different traits that he had been displaying when I had started looking for more information, I knew something wasn't right. And I remember calling one of the ladies in the office there with the early child intervention program. And I said, I need you to tell me, do you think my son has autism? And again, the rules were, they weren't supposed to give a diagnosis. And I remember she said, if you'll hold on a minute, Micah, let me just close my door. And at that moment, she got back on the phone. And I remember her saying, we think that it's very possible that Jacob does have autism. While we can't give a formal diagnosis, we would suggest and refer you on to a neurologist. And at that moment in time, because remember, I'd already been doing some reading. You know, the internet was just emerging. So 21 years ago, we were still looking. I was pulling out Mayo Clinic books and going through data and going, wait a minute, this isn't, he's not Rain Man. He's not, um, he's not somebody who's just isolated. He loves to hug mommy. He'll look at me. He'll let me hug him and kiss him and smooch him. And I just remember when I heard her say that they thought he had that diagnosis or that that was very probable, my heart just sank. And at that moment, I knew our lives would be forever changed. And after I got off the phone with her, I went over to the kitchen table. And for me, I was brought up here in North Texas, but grandparents were Lutheran. Growing up, Mom took me to different Baptist churches because of youth groups. And so having a Bible in the house was normal, Going to church was normal. Having something to believe in bigger than me and bigger than all of this was very normal. And at that moment, I took out an old school filled Bible I had, which is ironic because the verbiage is more formal with the thus and the this and the that. And I sat down at the table and I actually had my Bible between my hands and I closed my eyes because at that moment, this diagnosis had completely, utterly rocked my world. And I knew that it was going to change the trajectory of my entire life and my family. And as I sat there, I remember praying, dear God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to look. I don't know where to go. And at that point, there are times where And everybody's got a a thing that they believe in or a thing or a way they feel comforted or reassured. And for me, ironically, it would be times where literally I would open my Bible and the set of scriptures or something would speak to exactly the situation. you know. And being young and, and a young mom, I always thought that was just unbelievable and kind of crazy in a good way. And that day I said, Lord, I need direction. I need some encouragement because at this point, I am a young mother of three, middle income. My husband at the time was working very hard. I was doing the books for my grandparents' sales company. They sold arts and crafts supplies to different chain stores and had different territories and states. And I'm looking at this thinking, this was not the plan. And as I'm praying for encouragement, I open up my Bible, and of all the places, it lands in Genesis. Genesis. In the beginning a new beginning and i kind of chuckled to myself and i was like literally clearly said to god are you freaking kidding me in the beginning is not exactly the most comforting word you could give me right now when i've just been told that my child may never talk again he may have to be placed in long-term care that there's no hope which is what i was told at that time it's autism there's nothing you can do about it. And when I opened up to Genesis, I was like, Lord, this is a joke. I mean, like seriously, in the beginning, the world began. How does that encourage me? And as I scanned the pages from the left to the right, a moment of silence just completely fell on me because on the very page I had opened on the right-hand side, the heading for the second set of scriptures was the blessings of Jacob. And at that time, I clearly heard, this may not be easy. Actually, it's gonna be pretty hard. This journey is gonna be very hard, but there will be many, many blessings that come from Jacob. So for me, a new year symbolizes new beginnings. For me, probably like many of you, the diagnosis of a chronic condition and a chronic illness is a new beginning, and it's often not one that we would choose. It's a change in our path. Whether it means that you're having to change what you eat, where you go, the products you use, the people you get to socialize with, the limitations that are placed on your life can be very difficult. But what I hope you will gather from my experience and be able to look at your own experiences and see is that no matter how dark the moment is or the diagnosis is, there's always hope. And if you can hold on and muster up enough hope, that hope is what makes us believe that we can find information. It makes us believe we're not alone. That hope is the fuel for not letting you become static for not letting you become paralyzed in the fear. And in that moment and that day, that one word, the blessings of Jacob, was the very thing, as simple and as small as it was, that I needed to hear. I needed to be connected with my surroundings. I needed to be connected with my faith. I needed to be connected with my family. And the hope that I found in knowing that this journey would not be solely desolate, to believe that we could make progress, to believe in the things that are not seen but are to come. So where are you at today? With this new year, do you have hope? Do you have somebody encouraging you to believe that things can get better, to be a support, to speak prosperity and growth and healing into your life? I hope that I can be one of those people. To share and encourage you through the obstacles and journeys that we all face together collectively. I hope that in sharing my story and the information, the stories that we'll be bringing, that it'll provide encouragement to where you can muster the energy to get through the next day or to be able to look and reflect and and look at the painting of your life and your journey and to see it different, to see the light coming through the clouds to know that there is the possibility of a better tomorrow. So for us, the diagnosis was very traumatic. I had dealt with and had been exposed to long-term illnesses since I was in junior high. My mother had complications from a back surgery where a lipoma or fatty nodule was removed her spine, and at the time, we didn't know, we learned years later, it appeared the surgeon had taken too much bone out of the back when they removed the lipoma, which created ongoing chronic back pain. That back pain resulted in multiple treatments, sclera treatments, they call them, from Germany. We looked for natural remedies. We went to Scott and White when Scott and White was just Scott and White unlike today where it's Baylor, Scott & White. She went to the Mayo Clinic. We had naturopaths, we had energy medicine doctors. I mean, you name it, been there, done that. And because of my mom's chronic illnesses, she wasn't able to be there for football games and things that you would want your parents to be at growing up. It was all she could do to work hard and make it through the day and come home and rest. And I learned some of the greatest rules for life watching her. And what I learned is that perseverance is everything. Having hope, never stopping. And because of her illnesses, and one of the things that happened not only with the back is that she also had to have a radical mastectomy. They thought she had breast cancer and removed both the breast. And at that time, implants had just really emerged as being the the thing to do, reconstructive surgery. And unfortunately for her, her body produced a lot of um, fibrocystic tissue and she had multiple complications with the implants to the point that she had had two or three sets, um, replacement sets. And finally at the end, because of the scar tissue, because of the implants leaking, going from silicone to saline, She just kind of said, I'm done with it. So I've watched her from middle school through me being an adult have numerous chronic health complications where she was seeking and searching for answers. Hope and perseverance were the key things that helped her to get through each day to have some semblance of a normal life. But because of her conditions... It was the greatest gift I'd ever been given because it introduced me to science and nutrition and medicine. That at that time, I had no idea how critical a role that information and that exposure would play in supporting Jacob's needs and in supporting my family and ultimately becoming part of what created the passion in me helping people connect dots with information that was relevant to their health condition that maybe they didn't know. Maybe their doctor wasn't familiar with. Maybe their nutritionist didn't know. Maybe their behavior analyst wasn't familiar about the data. It's about about aggregating and pulling together resources and information and looking at how one thing relates to another. And In going through that process with her, I saw the impact that chronic health conditions of that nature can have on a family, on a marriage, on the very psyche and mind of the person going through it. Because of her journey, because of seeing her have hope and perseverance, it gave me the hope to believe that this diagnosis, this ambiguous set of behaviors and attributes that they called autism, I was just encouraged enough to be crazy and think that we could get better. He could get better. And because of that, because of always holding on to hope, I perused information. I turned over every stone. And for Jacob— where we were told he'll never talk, find a place to put him, it's autism. Where every physical anomaly that he's experienced and health condition initially, I was told that's just part of autism. All the kids have that. Oh, the poochy tummy, no big deal. They all have that. Oh, they all don't sleep. They're all picky eaters. Now kids with autism do that. But I had learned to look and ask why. Not just assume, not just categorize, not just take the diagnosis and the outcome for what somebody else said it was. So with that hope, I'm sure many of you have had the same situation where, whether it's a new diagnosis, an old diagnosis, a friend, a family, a child, that going through the first few stages, it truly is. I would think that for all of us, or most of us experience this, that it truly is similar to going through the stages of grief. It's because I realized that I was having to grieve and accept where we were at, what had happened, what was the future to hold. And with the seven stages of grief, I think in years past it was six, and I know that they had added, which to me makes sense, but it added... The shock factor to begin with. Now, maybe we weren't shocked that something was wrong. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you knew. Maybe you'd been battling weight loss or insomnia or abdominal pain or skin lesions. I mean, whatever it may be. Maybe you weren't shocked that something was wrong, but you were shocked at what it was and what it meant to your life. And then, you know, I know it's not uncommon that the next phase... We see this with so many families where one parent goes into action mode and the other parent goes into denial. It's hard for them to cope, to accept a diagnosis and move past accepting the diagnosis to taking action and creating and defining what your new beginning is going to be. And if you don't have the people around you to provide that encouragement, it's so difficult which is why it is imperative that you find a way to surround yourself with people that can relate and that can encourage you. No matter what your journey is, no matter what your your situation is, you have to have people that speak life into your life to be able to point out the joy and the miracle that's there in every day. And when you can do that, when you have that kind of support, Maybe it's just listening. For me, if I'm terribly down, now I love music, I love all kinds of music, but I can honestly say that my Christian praise and worship music, for me, it's a place I can go when I don't feel like having a conversation. It's a place I can go where I can focus just on the positive. So going from shock and denial to anger, Why does this have to happen? Why, Lord? Why do we have so many health conditions that are chronic and to manage them or to have them go into remission or for you to be healed, meaning if it's something that has closure, why is it so hard? Why does it take so much? I can tell you that on my journey with Jacob that I have for over two decades now, worked with behavior analysts, doctors, allergists. I have focused on nutrition. There's not a stone that I haven't turned over to look for help and resources. And I will say that having hope through the diagnoses is what made that possible and ended up to be extremely beneficial. It helped Give us direction, it helped identify treatments it helped identify data and and tests and outcomes that we wouldn't have had so the perseverance and the hope is what sparks you to believe maybe there's something there that, that has to do with me to be able to know that one thing can lead to another so for us, I went from the shock stage and probably went to the, the depression because I was so just heartbroken and then to the testing aspect of finding realistic solutions, being able to start using deductive reasoning and going down a checklist. And at that point, a checklist was one of the few things I could control that was in my power. I could make a list of to-dos. I could make a list of what to read and what doctors to call and what therapies to initiate. It gave me something that I could impact directly that I had control over. And so for us, the diagnosis, mom, sick, a large portion of her life, with chronic health issues, because of her journey and her trials and tribulations, I learned about the whole other world of herbs and and how medicine and doctors that worked with both and focused on health and and understood about medications and started to learn about various tests and if it wasn't for her journey and me seeing there was hope we wouldn't have taken the next steps and realizing that something medically was amiss with jake it wasn't just this ambiguous diagnosis of autism because remember Autism is a diagnosis of behaviors, of deficiencies, of things that manifest, but it does not indicate what the point of origin is, or the antecedent. So at that time, um, the hope that we had, and the journey that mom had been on, I remember her coming to the house one day, and she said, hey, we're gonna go see a naturopath, and we're gonna get a hair analysis done on Jake. And I was kinda like, hmm, okay. (laughs) I was like, if that'll make Grammy happy and it makes her feel like we're accomplishing something, then we'll do it. And the results came back a few weeks later and we go to meet with the naturopath and she's going over the results. And she looks at me and she goes, I've never seen this before. And I was like, what? And on Jacob's hair analysis, it showed off the chart levels of aluminum. Now, mind you, this is a two-year-old now who has not been on aluminum containing meds We lived here in one of the mid-cities in North Texas. So it wasn't a rural or toxic area. It was very developed. And she looked at me with this blank face and said, I've never seen this before. You need to take him to a doctor. But that test gave me hope. And those results spurred me on to start reading and learning and looking at toxicology books. And those toxicology books (laughs) showed the side effects of what aluminum could do. Speech delays, my jerks, seizures, increased risk for infection. I was dumbfounded because he had like over half. Over half of those symptoms were some of the same symptoms that had been put into the group under the autism umbrella. So that led us to a doctor appointment. And that doctor appointment moved us to blood work. And the blood work confirmed the hair analysis. At that time, Jake had as much aluminum in his blood as what a person on dialysis would have which I didn't understand the statement or the reasoning at that time. I just knew that on the results that I was looking at, it had an H for high, and everybody was confounded. Of course, they suggested we do the test again, and it was positive, again, with a one-point deviation. But those results, regardless of how confounding they were, it helped spur on the hope. The hope that there was something actionable the hope that i could actually do something to make a difference and our journey began in what now has unfolded over the last 21 years where something as simple and complex as the multiple diagnoses of my mom and seeing her perseverance seeing the hope she had the love for life the joy that she received with helping others whether it was through a children's ministry program, even when she was in absolute pain, to be able to focus on someone else to see that. And then the gift of the knowledge of looking at every aspect of medicine, every aspect of nutrition. So today I want to leave you with a thought that this year can be a phenomenal year that connecting with people in your community, connecting with me, connecting with resources that you Hold on to hope, believing that in those connections, in those moments, that your life can be radically changed, that breakthrough can happen. For me, 21 years later, Jacob can read phonetically. He can do addition, subtraction. He can shave his own face. He can go to the bathroom independently. He dresses himself. He can say, I love you. He can read birthday and Christmas cards, even if he's never seen them. He loves a cup of coffee with his gluten-free, dairy-free donut. And Toy Story is a topic I'm sure we will be discussing for many years to come. So I hope that no matter where you're at, no matter what situation you're struggling with, that you will be able to hold on to hope, even if it's the size of a mustard seed, to be able to move you to believe That this new year, this new beginning, can be just that. It can be the beginning of a new chapter in your book where there's peace and there's joy and there's health and there's breakthrough. To look at your story differently, to be able to transition from looking at the shades of gray to the brilliant yellows and whites, the bright, the joy, the hope, the healing. So thank you for joining me today and letting me share with you what was in the beginning for me and why connecting with you and connecting with our community is so important. So until next time, thank you for joining me with Micah Bradford Connected.